Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 5th. It has been just another day of magic in Genoa City, full of love, mutually exclusive love, the, 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 the understanding that two people have between one another when they don't even think about anyone else and they just come together in a glorious moment of 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 heartfelt epic weddings <laughs> I don't know about you guys but I was just shivering with anticipation for the wedding of the century Victor and Sharon just together in in love forever. I mean, haven't we all been waiting for this moment when they finally decide to become man and wife and and Victor gives Sharon this just uh, amazing dream wedding on a plane. I've always wanted to get married on a plane with with the the pilot becoming the 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 witness and the videographer witness slash videographer it's just it was so romantic i i loved every moment of it and i just know that you guys were there with me too <sighs> why is this happening? Why is this happening? Nobody likes Victor and Sharon. No one is into this couple, and it's full speed ahead. I had a hard time keeping down my breakfast as I was watching those scenes. It was totally absurd, disgusting, marriage of convenience. Everyone knows it. Deep down inside, Victor and Sharon knows it. I mean... Come on! Getting married at, on the exact same day that Nikki and Jack were getting married? Victor? Nobody's buying it! Everybody sees straight through what you're trying to do here, trying to replace Nikki with Sharon as if Sharon is some kind of younger version of Nikki, which she's not anyway. And Sharon, have some self-respect. Why don't you just pick yourself up by your boobs, boot, boobs, pick yourself up by your boobs. I meant to say bootstraps, <laughs> but she could pick herself up by her boobs just as easily and move on. If you need to move to another town to get a fresh start, so be it. But marrying Victor is the ultimate uh, neon flashing sign on your forehead that says, runner up, runner up, runner up, over and over. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing to me for both characters. It's it certainly made me lose respect for Sharon. Victor, I, I, I have a hard time feeling anything wonderful for him the way I used to. I just feel sick by this decision. I, ugh! Ugh! There's, that's the only way to put it. I can't gag loud enough. I can't, I can't vomit far enough. It's disgusting. And I don't know why YNR pursues it. It is beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. <laughs> I mean, what could be more romantic than a plain wedding 
and a, a prenup. <laughs> Although I don't blame Victor for deciding to get the prenup. Sharon, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's not about money in some small part for Sharon, or at least security. Even It's not like Sharon's poor. It's not like Sharon is going to, uh, even if she didn't marry Victor, it's not like she's worried about her food budget for that week. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine uh, why she has to stoop to this level unless it's just about being lonely. But this, you know, everything with, uh, with the uh, proposal was all very honky-dory. All of a sudden, Victor... Again, after a realization that things aren't going to work out with Nikki and Sharon having a realization that things aren't going to work out with Adam, they decide that they are going to uh, uh, get married. Victor proposes to her and it sounds all good and they're both kind of swept up in the moment. And as soon as they get on the plane, which, by the way, Victor's last two weddings have been on the plane. Can we not even come up with something else, YNR? Could you not throw together some kind of dorky set, like, in Vegas or something? Does he, his last two weddings have been going to Vegas and getting married on the plane. It's That's such a cop-out on, on one hand. There were, they have to know, surely. No one likes Victor and Sharon together. Why bother spending a dime on the set? <laughs> so, uh, uh, ugh. And as soon as they get onto the plane... The, 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 any kind of magic dust that was in anyone's eyes, especially Sharon, started to float away when this prenup came up. Because as soon as Victor mentioned that he had documents for her to sign, all of a sudden Sharon jo kind of jogs herself out of this uh, alternate reality and says, mm, you know, mm, gee, this might not be a good idea. You're going to make me sign something? Maybe this isn't gonna. Maybe this isn't the best decision I could possibly make. And then she decides to further look into the document, realize the number, see exactly how much Victor was gonna pay her, even if it didn't work out. And all of a sudden, she was like, "Oh, I do, I do. Do you have a pin? Let me let me sign that for you. Let me. I'll sign it in blood. This is a lot of money. And that just to me makes Sharon look like a gold digger." And the whole thing is obviously temporary. Even as Victor's handing her the prenup, he's saying, I just want to make sure that we're both protected, just in case we decide to end this. It's not in case it doesn't work out or if anything unforeseeable happens. It's in case we decide to end this. There's probably, might as well have been a clause in the prenup that just said, in case Nikki becomes available again and I can get back together with Nikki, and, or, or in case Adam be, or Nick becomes available again and you want to get back together with them. It's so painful for me to watch these two characters getting into this marriage of convenience. It means nothing. It's cheapening both of the characters. And uh, Victor is capable of so much romance, and I like that side of him. If it were anyone else, the fact that she gave him a cigar wrapper ring because she hadn't thought of giving him an actual ring because this wedding was so last minute, that would have been cute for anybody else, but in this moment, when it's two characters that clearly don't belong together, it was, it was adding fuel to the flame of, what the heck? 
And heck is a nice word because it's really much bigger than that. I have a much bigger emotion by that. And 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 Sharon was so surprised that Victor thought to give her a ring. He, she, you know, they had come to this moment in the ceremony where the <clears throat> officiator is saying, well, it's now time to exchange rings. And Sharon's like, oh, I, we, for, we didn't forgot about this. We didn't, it was last minute, you know, we didn't realize. And Victor pops out a big old rock like he always does. And Sharon is surprised and she's like, oh, my wedding ring. And I'm thinking, Sharon, this ring means nothing to him. Do you know how many engagement rings Victor has bought? If you date Victor longer than two weeks, you're gonna get a wedding ring. Do you know how totally usual and typical that is? He's probably got a stash of wedding rings hanging out in his top drawer, in, his, in Victor's armoire. He's got a full full drawer full of just jewelry and wedding rings to give women on occasion. I seriously think he does. I bet you he has pre-wrapped diamond necklaces and earrings and just luxury gifts to give to women whenever it comes up. It's not like he went out and had time to go buy her an engagement ring. He just pulled it out of the stash. <laughs> it was so not special. It was the opposite of special. And it says something, I think, about the entire marriage that Victor decided to call a tabloid to announce that they had been married. They didn't send out, a, they didn't wait, they didn't send out, call people individually, they didn't send out a letter. They called Restless Style and gave Billy the exclusive story, which included a full video of their wedding. Nothing says this is a stunt like calling a tabloid to announce. I'm so disappointed. I just couldn't even possibly be more disappointed. They're acting like this is some kind of blessed event. That's smeared all over the pages of Restless Style now. And Victor, as soon as they get back to Genoa City, decides that he is going to leave Sharon on their wedding day to go see Nikki on her wedding day. I wanted to kick him in the balls <laughs> for that. Nikki is not even allowed to have one little moment of happiness. She's not allowed to suspend her disbelief. She's not allowed to pretend that she's in love for even a day without Victor showing up to ruin the whole thing. I really couldn't believe, but yet I could, that he did that. I, I was screaming at my screen as soon as... Nikki's at Jack's house, looking in the wet, looking in the mirror, making sure her face is all good and her hair is all perfect, which it was. And who she turns around and who's standing behind her? Victor. And you get the sense for just a brief moment that she thinks he's gonna try to stop the wedding, that he's he's gonna come and have this romantic plea for her. But no, he went to interrupt her on her wedding day to go tell her. That he had just married Sharon. <sighs> you guys, it couldn't be more blatant. It just could not be more blatant. He might as well have said, Nikki, I just wanted to let you know that I married Sharon to make you uncomfortable. 
just to get back at you. <laughs> you're marrying Jack and you're going to pretend that you're very happy and I have to do something to retaliate for that. I can't be alone. I'm the great Victor Newman. And if you don't want to be with me, I will find someone who, who can. And uh, as soon as you decide that you are done with Jack, then you can come back to me and we will make love, sweet, sweet love, <laughs> in our bed forever. You may smooch my mustache forever. It's, it's, it's exactly what he might as well have said. It was just pathetic and rude and... Nikki told him, like, get out, get out, ding, <laughs> I was so mad at him, and, oh, 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 and Sharon shows up while Victor's there, rubbing it in Nikki's face that they had just gotten married, and it was literally Nikki talking to Sharon, or, I'm sorry, Nikki talking to Victor, Sharon's standing behind Victor, Victor says, we just got married, and Sharon's standing there showing her ring. It was almost, oh, it was over the top, it was almost like comical, the timing of it. Sharon had followed Victor there, she knew, as soon as she realized Victor was gone, she knew exactly where he had gone. So Sharon is cognizant of what's happening here. She knows that Victor is <laughs> doing this to get back at Nikki, and she's perfectly well happy to help him Rub it in! She's standing right behind him, showing the ring. Look, I got a ring. We're married. It's for real. Don't you, you like? Aren't you jealous? Aren't you jealous of me, Nikki? <laughs> so totally stupid. <laughs> Sharon cannot believe for even a moment, and I don't think she does. I don't think Sharon thinks that Victor loves her. I think it's very clear they both just have an arrangement. That's all it is. It's a temporary arrangement. Uh, Sharon knows that Victor's heart is with Nikki, and Victor clearly knows that Sharon's heart is not with him. No, it doesn't matter if you decide to push the reset button and pretend that they're having a fresh start. It doesn't matter. They're both in love with other people. And later that night, there's not even any pretense about it. There's not even any, uh, let's have a wedding night, Sharon and Victor wedding night. Victor's off taking a ride. He, he tells Sharon he wants to go for a ride with the horses. First of all, Sharon's not even into horses, okay? It doesn't matter how hard you try to force her to be Nikki. She's not Nikki. She's not, she doesn't give a crap about those horses. So you're not going to go ride off together in a little romantic moment. And it wasn't even that. I really think Victor just wanted to lose Sharon. Like he wanted to pretend like he was doing something with her, but then just throw her off. Because they're out there riding around on the ranch. And all of a sudden, Victor, who is a master equestrian, I, I take it. He flies off, just like speeds off ahead of her and leaves Sharon. And all of a sudden, Sharon's back at the house going, has anybody seen Victor? It's my wedding day and all, and I can't find the groom. And his horse is back in the stable, and he's nowhere to be found. Victor has now disappeared. Nobody knows where he is. And uh, uh, I really think, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if Victor had left town. I expect him to leave town, do a little thinking. He had just, he's gotten, in the span of like 24 hours, he's gotten married. He had to watch and see Nikki on her wedding day to Jack. And then Ashley tells him that she's leaving town, which we'll talk about later. All of these things have to have affected him. And I just wouldn't be surprised if he left town for a couple days without telling Sharon at all. There can be not, 
nothing lonelier than being in a marriage and realizing that you're alone. And that's exactly what Sharon is up for. That's exactly what she's, what she's got in store for her. And she knows it on day one. He's leaving her. <sighs> the previews for next week's show show Sharon getting drunk with Tucker. My guess is that Tucker is going to come to the ranch looking for Victor. Victor's not there, and he's in, Tucker's going to find Sharon slugging back Victor's tequila, and all of a sudden she's like, yeah, Victor's never here, but she's going to start spilling her whole guts, and I, I would not be surprised if on Monday's show <laughs> Sharon ends up sleeping with Tucker. Because we know how Tucker likes the ladies. He's all distraught about Ashley, too. And I wouldn't be surprised if Victor gets home from wherever the heck it is he went. <laughs> and Sharon and Tucker are in bed together. Which is going to make it official. Oh, God, I miss old Sharon. I miss angelic Sharon. <laughs> or maybe just, a, I like a little bit of bad, but... Man, this it just officially makes Sharon, like, the biggest slut in Genoa City. Nikki and Jack may not have some kind of epic romance, but at least they have a good relationship that's based on mutual respect, affection, and history. I do think that they love each other. I don't think that... I think Nikki is still in love with Victor. I don't think that Nikki's love is exclusive to Jack, which is what he deserves, which is what she... They they deserve better than, I think, what they're getting right now. But they did get married. Nikki looked super beautiful, of course. Loved the dress. It was beautiful. Her hair... Looked awesome. I probably could have done without the little shiny, sparkly um, kind of barrettes in her hair. It was nice, but I, I felt it was just a little bit too young, kind of looking. It just sort of looked like something that a young girl would have had in, in her hair. I, so I, I didn't love that. Um, but the, otherwise, the big, thick curls looked awesome. The dress was beautiful. So I did enjoy the wedding. And, of course, the fact that the miracle occurred where Jack musters up all of his energy and he's able to stand up during the ceremony for the first time. It's a miracle! That's, that's you know, it. that was kind of cliche. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of... <sighs> stupid it just I mean I it was predictable it was predictable and hokey uh but I'm glad Jack could stand again anything that's gonna get him the freak up out of that chair is okay and wonderful and happy with me and I think that the best part of the whole Jack recovery storyline has been getting to know Sarge I do think that the actor is is clearly very gifted he was telling us his story this week about how he became involved in physical therapy, that he used to be a street racer, he would race cars and when he was a kid, and he ended up getting in an accident, and his brother was in the passenger seat, and his brother ended up 
paralyzed as a result of that, and the brother has never forgiven him, and so that set Sarge out upon his path of wanting to help people in physical therapy, and it, which also kind of explains his crusty exterior, but his soft interior. He's like a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> Sarge is a Tootsie Pop. You just gotta lick through into that Tootsie Center, and there's a little something in there. <laughs> But it's been good getting to know him. I think that he would have made a better character. I I think if we could have focused on him, I think he would have been a kind of character that we could keep around. But I got a feeling Sarge ain't going to be around with all the changes that went. I have a feeling old dude's going to get cut because Jack's not going to need him anymore as soon as he gets back up on his feet. And it was good to see that finally. But everything else about the wedding... Just... I felt like the vows seemed somehow hollow. Everything that Nikki and Jack were saying to each other sounded good coming out of their mouths, but I don't think there was real emotion behind them. It's almost like Nikki was probably pretending that Jack was Victor. How can you say that Jack's the love of your life? It's clearly kind of a situation of, well, we're getting older, we kind of need somebody, things things haven't really worked out, we're really good friends, we've always been together, why not, let's get married. But it's not based on any kind of real passion. I, I think that Jack and Nikki are good for each other because... Neither of them really have anything else going on, and they're good to each other, which is wonderful. But Jack may love Nikki, but I think there's a part of it that has an, an element of I'm taking something that Victor really wants, and I enjoy that. And for Nikki, there's just no denying that she's still in love with Victor. You cannot tell me that Nikki just happened to want to go riding at the ranch on her wedding day. Please give me a huge break, Nikki. You just, it's your wedding day. You just happen to want to go out to the ranch to ride some horses. Okay, fine. You didn't have to go inside the main house. All right. If you really just wanted to ride those horses, you didn't need to go inside. You didn't need on your wedding day to go ask Victor a question about blue smoke. All right. Let's just drop the pretense. You wanted to give Victor one last chance. Just Victor, by the way, this is your last chance to grab me. Just last chance. It's so obvious. I wanted to just shake Nikki. If you want to be with Victor, don't marry Jack. You're just going to end up hurting Jack. And she sits down at the little coffee table in the living room. And the wedding album is out. And she starts flipping through it. I mean, I don't know if it was the wedding album or if it was a family album. And I don't know if that means Victor was looking through it. Was Victor sitting there looking through his wedding album with Nikki on his wedding day to Sharon? Probably. And Nikki sees that that it's out there and she starts flipping through the pictures. And I'm going to be honest. I got a little teary looking at the photos from... Nikki and Victor's first two weddings and how happy that they actually used to be together. And it, it, the re- I got emotional, and it was a different kind of emotional, though, this time. It was less about, oh, I wish Victor and Nikki could be together. And it was more about, we've gone so far astray. 
Nikki and Victor had this wonderful love story that everybody loved. It's epic. It's one of those ones for the for the fairy tale and for the storybooks. Everybody knew it. Victor and Nikki and their romance equals the young and the restless. It's probably the predominant relationship. It's the most famous relationship of the entire show. And now we're just in this disgusting place where they're marrying other people, even though they still love each other clearly, and almost for games. And it, it just makes me feel that we've gotten so far off track, and it makes me sad in that new way that I just don't even know if there's any going back. And again, I really hope that the new writers behind the scenes see this, resolve both of these marriages right away. I'm sorry, Jack, I don't want you to get hurt, but the marriage to Nikki is not going to last, and I, I, I hope it's as, as painless as possible for Jack, but this marriage is not going to last. Obviously, Victor and Sharon's marriage won't last, and I really just hope that they can get back to... Victor and Nikki in a stable place. I don't want to keep seeing this runaround. Just let them be together, okay? Can they not just be a stable couple, kind of like, um, you know, like Stephanie and Eric on Bold and the Beautiful? I've, I've only been watching that show for a little while, so I don't know exactly how long they've been together, but just freaking let them be together. I don't know why we have to have this whole runaround. Another wedding? I mean... Nikki, how many times has Victor been married? How many times has Nikki been married? If anybody knows those counts, I would love to see it. Mm. It's always nice to have a wedding, but come on. If it's hollow, it, it just is more painful than it is happy. And, by the way, was it my TV screen? Or was Billy wearing a powder blue suit? <laughs> Uh, for the wedding as as the best man. Uh, what, what, what? Like, is it 1970? <laughs> he might as well have had, like, the ruffly shirt on underneath it. Powder blue? Uh, maybe it was my screen. Maybe it was, like, a light gray, but I don't think so. I think he was wearing a light blue suit. Ew! <laughs> and then, by the way, Billy gave the dorkiest, cliche, best man speech in the world, <laughs> just, it's almost as if Billy went onto the internet and looked up funny man and women jokes, fun, funny husband and wife jokes, and then he just let out a couple of zingers at the reception about, eh, isn't it funny when a man, da-da-da, isn't it, hey, those women, they, it was so dumb. That whole wedding was just totally hokey. It was funny, though, to, that it was contrasted with Kyle not at his father's wedding and instead hanging out at Victor's house, getting it on with Eden. It was nice how the, the camera, like, pans. They show just a, a, an open condom wrapper just in the corner of the screen, and then move they move in close into uh, the two kids getting it on. Just, if we're going to have them have sex, let's make sure they're having safe sex, just so there's no pregnancy speculation out there. I'm personally surprised that... Eden was even interested in having sex this soon after she was almost raped by Ricky. I just don't know it's a good idea, Kyle. You better look out. I mean, girls got some issues. This is not going to be very good for your ego, Kyle, when all of a sudden Eden can't remember that you slept together. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, the Jack and Ashley feud. I can see both sides of this situation. Because, first of all, Jack is, I think, the owner of Jabot. Com- like, complete owner of Jabot. And then he's the one that pulled off this coup to get Beauty of Nature. And I agreed with Ashley that if it's illegal for him to run one company and just own a competitor, if that's illegal, then obviously he shouldn't do it. But at the same time, if he owns both companies, why wouldn't he want to be the CEO? If I were Ashley, I would have seen that firing coming from a mile away. And that's exactly what happened. Jack decided, I'm sorry. But I'm going to have to fire you. He, Ashley was trying to go against him, trying to, boy, get up board votes. They were both chasing after board votes in a move that could have totally have been more drawn out. It could have really dug in. I mean, my goodness, Jack forcing Ashley out of Jabot would have been a good business storyline. But instead of actually focusing in on that and l- letting the two siblings go at it, they just decided to write Eileen Davidson off the show and then just gloss that right over. Ah, pff, hey, why not? Anyway, (laughs) I do think, though, on the other hand, that forcing Ashley out of Jabot, out of her own company, out of their father's company, was a total jerk move on Jack's part. I can't believe he did that. And Ashley was devastated as a result. And I think that the war for Jabot is only just now beginning because now that Ashley's out, Jack is definitely going to have his hands full with both companies and Victor is going to see that as an opportunity to sweep in because if Victor can't have Nikki, he may not be able to have Nikki, but he's definitely working on a way in to Jabot because he called Ashley into his office this week and tried to get her to sell her shares of Jabot. Of course, Victor knew that she wasn't going to sell him her shares of Jabot. Ashley turned him down flat. She was like, hey, I might be mad at Jack, but I would never do that. I would never give control of my father's company to you. And I think Victor, as he kind of explained it later, really just wanted to fan that flame. He just wanted to get Ashley angrier and just kind of poke her where he knew that she was sensitive. And I think that Victor made a pretty good assessment about Jack during that scene between he and Ashley. And it was something that I think is, it really deserves to be expounded on because the way Victor assessed Jack was very true of his character, that Jack is someone who always wants more, and in his pursuit of more, he ends up losing everything that he has. And that really is the story of Jack's character. It's been for a very long time. He, for such a long time, had Jabot, was in control at Jabot, and wanted more. It was when he opened up the company publicly. And then Victor came in, was able to seize the opportunity to buy up controlling interest of Jabot, or at least a sizable amount of Jabot. And then Jack ended up kind of losing everything. That was sort of the beginning of his downfall. He lost his father's company and all this guilt. But hubris really is the core of Jack. He he really has everything that a man could have and could want, but he still wants to go for more. And I do hope 
Um, well, they kind of mentioned that when, during the wedding scene where Jack was just starting to be able to walk and it wasn't enough for him to, to or starting to be able to stand up. It wasn't enough for him to be able to just stand up his own. He didn't want any help from anyone. And that's, that's, it's, it is kind of, you know, the, the story. He, he was marrying Nikki, he was having this really great day and he still wanted more. And I wonder <laughs> if it is going to come back to bite him because even before Ashley left, she told Nikki, you know, I, I'm realizing that, Jack is a lot more like Victor than maybe you even realize. And I, I wonder if that's planting a little bit of a seed in Nikki's mind. She, Nikki always does end up playing second banana to some, some man who is just all about business. It's so frustrating. But I think that either on the Nikki front or on the Jabot front, Jack stands to lose. He really does stand to lose. And I think the biggest loss that, again... Just wasn't even focused on enough for me was the fact that Ashley is leaving. I'm really going to miss her. I'm really, really sad about the whole thing. I thought it was interesting, though. Ashley was kind of scolding Abby at the beginning of the week and uh, telling her that she was getting ready to go to war with Jack. And it was uh, it was as if. Ashley was asking Abby to take sides and side against her Uncle Jack. And I thought, well, that's weird. Abby's not going to let her investment of beauty of nature go sour just to help her mom. I mean, clearly Ashley was grasping at straws. You know, how am I going to get some, uh, some, how am I going to win against Jack? But her daughter's an investor in the new company. She wasn't going to help her anyway. And, and, and just... I'm kind of remembering that there's also the element that Kyle works at Newman Enterprises. I wonder if Kyle's going to end up infiltrating. I wonder if, uh, especially since Kyle's clearly upset with his dad, didn't attend the wedding, I wonder if Victor's going to convince Kyle to go to work at Jabot and or Beauty of Nature and maybe end up, you know, kind of working for Victor on the inside. I think that's a very, uh, very very interesting possibility. By the way, before I get into all of the Ash, the Ashley goodbye, the final thing I, I had to say, Victor and Jack got stuck in the elevator together again this week, and it was fine. Of course, everybody is realizing that Victor and Jack are stuck together, and they're freaking out, thinking they're, that they're going to tear each other apart, and in the end, it was really nothing. They both walk out kind of unscathed, as if they were going to be bloody and beaten to a bloody pulp by the time the elevator doors open. But the really, the, the larger issue for me here is, somebody gets stuck in an elevator in Genoa City, like, once a year. I think the people at Newman Towers really need to look into that. <laughs> people are, it's, it's, it's like the building is haunted or something. It knows the second the two enemies step into an elevator together and then it just decides to break down and trap them in together. It's so done. Come on. It was cute like the first 20 times you did it, YNR, but really? The old elevator trick? Kind of, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, all right, let's talk about Ashley, because it was very sad, and to compound the whole thing, John's ghost made a visit to Genoa City this week, and he, as he usually does, plays the role of Jack's conscience and tells him that he's being wrong to force Ashley out of the company, and then also 
talks to Ashley, and it really did make me cry, because Jack is always the one that sees John, and this week, Tracy is in town for the wedding, and she and Ashley are sitting out by the pool, talking about how Jack has done this to her, and that they're very upset that he's done this to her, and Ashley is at this lost point in her life. Her marriage has fallen apart. She's being forced out of her father's company her entire career, and her daughter's a total big old brat. So Ashley is really struggling this time, and for the first time, I think, John's ghost actually comes to visit Ashley, and he... It was just such a beautiful moment because John just kind of whispers to her, Ashley, you need to find your happiness. And just after he said that, Tracy says, you know what dad would say is that you need to find your happiness. And it was just, that, that was such a good scene. It totally made me cry. I, I'm, I'm going to miss Ashley so much. I wish it wasn't happening. I just wanted to scream out, no, don't go. I don't understand why Wyanar has made this decision. I think it's a terrible mistake. I personally believe that the Abbots should be front and center in this show. It's the Newmans versus the Abbots. Throw the Williams in there. Throw the uh, Winters in there. And you have a show. Uh, I, I just... I resent that the Abbots... That this means that the Abbots are less in focus. And I believe that that goodbye was very final. I don't know if Eileen Davidson is going to be coming back. Ah. I mean, Ashley had this her goodbye scene with Abby, and I was like, whatever, who really even cares? Abby's annoying. Like, I was also very annoyed by Abby in the fact that she went to Catherine this week, and after, pretty much after Ashley had scolded her, and Abby decided to make a big old donation to the Arts Council, and that's basically supposed to erase the little stunt that she pulled. So because she did her little faux kidnapping... Everybody started pulling out their donations, and nobody, the, the council didn't earn that much money this year. So in order to redeem herself, Ashley just gets out a checkbook and decides to write a big old check, and now all of a sudden all is forgiven. And I bet you we're not going to hear anything else about it. She's doing her community service, and she paid back the money. We're not going to hear anything else about her brattiness. There's going to be no more her paying for anything. As I said a couple of weeks ago, Ashley, or I'm sorry, excuse me, Abby ran Tucker down with her car, and she's not paying half as much as Phyllis is for doing the exact same thing. And it's, 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 Abby never learns her lesson so uh, I and I'm just not feeling Abby right now. And so it, her uh, Abby's goodbye with Ashley to me was just like, whatevs, don't even care. I feel no connection there whatsoever. The goodbye with Tucker was really sad. They were one of my favorite couples. Damn it. And I have a feeling that another character that's not going to survive the cut as soon as all of the new writers and the new brass come in is Stephen Nichols. I got a feeling Tucker is his days are limited. <laughs> He's really not. I just don't think they're going to keep him on. I like Tucker, and I liked Tucker and Ashley. There's really nobody else that I even really wanted to see Tucker with, so it's crushing to me. It was so sad. She gave back her rings, I believe, and and, and then Tucker just took her hand and, 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 and kissed it, and then I think they kissed on the lips, and he said, Goodbye, beauty. Ugh! Which is the name that John always called her, my beauty. This sucks so freaking bad! <laughs> 
I'm so, so upset by this. Eileen Davidson is YNR in so many ways, and she had that final goodbye with Victor also. And and I think that was at least fitting because it. I remember when she came back to Genoa City, it was Nikki who brought her back uh, from, I think she was living in Paris at the time, brought her back to Genoa City to try to help bring Victor back to life after Sabrina's death. So the one possible good thing I will say is I'm glad that they didn't try to kill off the character. She's just moving to New York and so that there certainly is a big wide door still open if she chooses to return. And I guess the only other good thing, too, is I do feel that they at least brought it full circle with that goodbye to Victor. It was for him that she came back into town in the first place. Tim Reed made his less than triumphant return to Genoa City this week. I'm I'm just gonna start out by getting the the I'm gonna address the a hundred pound thousand pound gorilla in the room. I'm sorry. <laughs> the actor who plays Tim Reed is gay, gay, gay. He surely must be right. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But that guy seems really, really gay. <laughs> to me and it's hilarious to even think about him having a crush on Phyllis at all or like uh, he came back into town mostly because uh Ronan who was adorable this week showed up on a on a beach somewhere where Tim Reed was just hanging back having his pina coladas a real manly drink and <laughs> Ronan let him know <clears throat> that they were monitoring phone calls of uh, Brett Butler. I don't know what her character's name is. She's Brett Butler. But they were monitoring her phone calls, and they realized that there was a connection between she and Dr. Reed, and it was kind of further implied that they had had an affair. <laughs> and Ronan, of course, convinced him to come back to Genoa City, or that affair was going to be made public to uh, Brett Butler's Grace Under Fire's husband. But it's just hilarious to even think of Dr. Reed having an affair with any woman. He's such a... It's not only just that he's nerdy and wimpy, but he just seems very, very effeminate. I thought it was totally appropriate that his lawyer was Rafe. <laughs> They would make a nice little match. Actually, no, I don't even want to soil Rafe's name with Dr. Reed. What a nerd. What a wimpy little nerd. <laughs> but uh, I'm surprised he wasn't wanting to get a piece of the sex wolf because for real, Ronan was adorable this week when the scene of, uh, of Tim Reed showed up and he's just sitting on the island and then all of a sudden Ronan's just hanging out there next to him in a beach chair and he flips open his FBI <laughs> uh, identification. That was very adorable. There, it was just cute. Ronan's so very coy. I can take anything and turn it into a Ronan love fest. <laughs> and I'm not ragging on Tim Reed for being gay or anything, by the way. Uh, I just think it's kind of obvious. <laughs> and hilarious. Um, so, 
basically, Reed comes back into town. Michael and Ronan are pestering him to give up what information he has on Phyllis. And to Dr. Reed's credit, he is holding pretty strong. He has the whole patient-doctor confidentiality thing. And Phyllis has paid him a pretty big sum of money to keep his big old mouth shut. And so he's not really willing to give up this information. Except he does happen to have a recording of Phyllis confessing to the hit and run, which he's obviously been keeping under his collar for a little while. I don't know why he didn't bring it up before. It's just blackmail on top of blackmail on top of blackmail. He calls her to the bookstore this week to meet with him, and he plays the recording. He had been obviously recording their psychiatric sessions, and he plays the recording of her confessing to the crime. And Phyllis realizes that she's done for. If that recording gets out, she is a cooked goose. And it was just so, like, ridiculous, the idea of him not only... It's like... He's already blackmailed her for money, but now the twist is he's blackmailing her for affection. Oh, he's he starts out with, "Well, I won't I won't turn you in if you give me a kiss." Ugh, and you just know it's going to turn into ugh, sexual things. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I don't even want to, it was weird enough, I remember her back in the 90s being this tall, red-headed bombshell, and he's just this short little bald dude, and I kind of remember her, like, rubbing on his bald head, and he probably comes up to about her boob level, so she could give him a hug and he could get a face full of boobs. He's just, he is such a wormy, little, sexually repressed psychiatrist. It's so funny. I loved, by the way, the way he was poking at Christine, saying something like, with with patients like you, I would still be in business, or something like that. But he was really, really poking hard at Christine, which I thought was fun. And he's got his own repressed issues going on that he needs to come to terms with. Ugh, Phyllis is in such deep, deep trouble. Nick has, uh, Nick knows about the fact that Dr. Ree is back in town and he's being questioned um, to see if he can help provide any information on the hit and run case. And Nick is trying very hard, very hard to be there for Phyllis. Her instinct is to keep things from him. She does not want to give him more information than he needs to know because she's afraid of losing him. On top of everything that Phyllis is going through with the freaking charges, she doesn't want to lose Nick too. And Nick is trying very hard. He's like, please, is there anything else? Give me the truth. If there's anything else I need to know, just tell me now. And by the way, this is weird, but juxtaposed with the scene of Dr. Reed blackmailing Phyllis on top of blackmail, on top of blackmail, Nick goes to Victoria's house right before they go to the wedding, and Nick starts telling Victoria about the fact that Reed's in town. And that he could potentially be a witness. Why? Why would Nick tell Victoria? Why would it, it seemed like it was there to maybe? It seemed like a writing or like a plot device, kind of to provide framing for what was going on between Phyllis and Doctor Reed at the same time, just so that someone on screen was explaining it. But I'm sorry. There's no reason why Nick would go to Victoria. That doesn't even make sense. Last week, Nick and Victoria had a big old blow-up. We all know that it was Victoria's decision to run with the article about Phyllis and Restless Style. Why would Nick 
go to Victoria and tell her this new information about Phyllis's case when Victoria's husband is writing an article about her. I mean, Nick prefaced it with, uh, don't tell your husband, but still, come on! And the thing on top of it all was Victoria was almost pretending to care. Why would Vic- Victoria, Victoria literally said, how, really? Oh, that's happening? How's Phyllis doing? Victoria doesn't care how Phyllis is doing. <laughs> Victoria last week was like, yeah, let her burn. <laughs> String her up, write the article, who cares? Now all of a sudden Victoria cares about how Phyllis is doing and what the new information is on her case. I just thought, I just wanted to mention that because it was a total inconsistency, I feel. And I wonder if anybody else noticed it. It's totally ridiculous. But, oh, if the Phyllis thing just keeps getting deeper and deeper and into trouble, it's not good. And now the fact that Dr. Reed is blackmailing her for affection is number one gross. But more importantly, it's really going to be a bad idea if she falls for it. Don't fall for it, Phyllis. Okay, you're already in enough trouble. You do not need to give in to this to this uh, uh, terrorism. <laughs> you do not need to negotiate with a terrorist. Okay, fellas, just leave it alone. You, if seriously, if you fall for this, uh, just give me one more kiss, or just meet with me, and 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 uh, and we can just you know snuggle or whatever physical. Dr. Reed wants you to do with him, do not fall for it. If you fall for that, he could be videotaping it. He could videotape the whole thing. He's already proven that he tape recorded your session. There's no, and okay, as a matter of fact, now that I'm talking about it, duh, she videotaped him having, okay, okay, back in the day, Phyllis made a videotape of her and Dr. Reed having sex together, so that she could bribe him into a ruling in her favor with the whole Danny marriage thing that he was counseling her for anyway. And she ended up letting that tape get out into the public. And that's what got Dr. Reed disbarred. He's just going to do the same thing to you. I guarantee you. He doesn't want to have sex with you, Phyllis. He just wants to get you. He wants to get you on tape having sex with him so that he can then go and splash it all over the screen. So, Phyllis... For the, for the love of God, if you fall for this, you are a fool. And if you don't run to Nick right away and tell him exactly what is going on with this newest blackmail development, you're an even bigger fool. All right, this is going to be the shortest rant in the history of rants, but Sophia, what's going on with Sophia? Really? She had this job opportunity in New York that she really wanted to take. It was going to be great for her career, but it meant she was going to have to move. And she told Neil all about it, and Neil flipped out, said that he didn't want her to do that, and he was willing to fight for custody of Moses. And I get that, but what is even going on with her? Why not? Can you do something with her? Why give Neil (laughs) and Sophia one scene all week, basically, and expect us to catch on or care about what's happening with them and their kid. I need, YNR, for you to either get rid of Sophia or you need to give her a backbone. She needs a life of her own. I wish she would have just taken Moses and 
run off and let Neil deal with it. Something needs to happen. Like, Sophia came into town. She was all sassy businesswoman, and now all of a sudden she's a big pile of pudding for Neil, and it's boring. <laughs> like, I would rather see Sophia get crazy stalker on his ass. Why does she have to give up her dreams and her life because they have a child together. I know, I know. I wouldn't have wanted her to take Moses away from Neil, but at the same time, I'm bored. I'm just bored with this whole thing. Mynar, can you just please do something with the winters? What's the hold up here? actually really surprised that Chelsea and Adam didn't turn out to be pregnant because I've been getting morning sickness just watching them. Okay, thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, I why? It's another one of those situations I just want to cry out to the screen. Why? It's I, every time I watch YNR, there's almost. I feel as if none of the storylines are making me happy right now. There's not one single storyline where I'm like, I love this. I am into this. I want it. I can't wait to find out what's going on. Every single storyline on the show, to me now, is, is, why? <laughs> Nothing's making me happy, especially the thought of Chelsea and Adam having a child together when, ugh, when Chelsea showed up, I should have known last week. She said something last week or the week before about how her and Adam were going to have a family together. And now all of a sudden she shows up at the coffee house. She's got a pregnancy test and a little gift bag, which I know. I mean, I've never bought a pregnancy test, but I'm pretty sure that they don't put them in little little perfect gift bags for you. She's carrying around this pregnancy test. Oops, leaves it on the counter at Crimson Lights just after her encounter with Sharon. And Sharon goes to pick up the bag, sees what's in it, sees it's a pregnancy test, and Sharon freaks out and throws it in the trash. <laughs> I'm like, you go, Sharon, because this is exactly what I want to do. Let's bury it. Can you dig a hole in the ground and bury that pregnancy test and make this whole thing not be happening? <laughs> I just, I don't understand why they're doing this. Why is Weiner doing this? Why is this relationship moving so fast. Who decided to put this whole thing on fast forward? It's like we're just pushing the fast forward button and I'm supposed to be happy about it. I'm supposed to be along for the ride. The relationship itself wasn't built up enough. The marriage itself sure wasn't built up enough. And I'm damn sure not ready for them to have a child together. I wanted Adam to have a baby. I've been talking about that for a while, but I, but not with her. That's the thing. Not with her. And I don't even care if it's Sharon. I thought, I mean, like, I, I wish, I wish Sharon would have gotten pregnant when they last had a baby, because at least that would have given him a connection to someone else. Now it's just Adam off in this little unit, this little bubble with Chelsea. And I, I'm, I've, I'm losing interest in Adam. I really am. Um, I just don't like him as much as I used to. And it's very upsetting to me. And <sighs> the I just it bothers me to see the scenes on the couch especially where Adam and Chelsea are talking about how they're ready for a child. They're ready to be parents. Ready in 2 months? 
You're, you've known each other for two months. You've been married for two days. And you're ready for a child. Of course, of course, of course you're ready for a child. Why, why would I even be surprised? The, the only saving grace here for me, ladies and gentlemen, is that there is a hint in the back of my head that says, wait just a whole doggone minute here, Chelsea. You have a history of getting pregnant with guys so that you can try to secure a relationship and or money out of them. Is it, as I mentioned last week, a coincidence that now all of a sudden she's got everything she wanted since the moment she came into town. She wanted Billy's baby, a relationship with him, money. Now she's got it with Adam. I just can't help but wonder if she's doing this on purpose. I can't help but wonder if this is part of her plan. I mean, come on, people. This is her M.O. This is what Chelsea does. Is it possible? I ask you again that she is using Adam. You guys are going to have to leave me a comment and let me know what you about. Even the, let, you know, let me know what you think about this. Even the most staunch Adam and Chelsea fans, you've got to admit that this relationship is moving awfully fast. And I think Adam is in a very vulnerable place. I think Chelsea came along at exactly the right time. And whether you like them or not, I think it's time to look at the possibility that she might be using his ass. Okay, you guys, we have... Another voicemail. I'm so happy about this. It's so nice to actually hear your voices because you hear me every week and I don't know who subscribes to this podcast. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so it's really such a treat to hear your voices and I think you'll enjoy this one too. So here is a new voicemail that we have. Here it goes. Hi, this is Joe from Milwaukee. And I wanted to pose a question to you, Allie. Uh, the question is, who do you think will step up to become the next villain? Um, I don't know about you, but for me, the show I enjoy best when there's at least one or two of the characters that kind of manipulate behind the scenes. Um, you have the villainous Adam, which I miss. I, don't, I hope Adam goes back to being a little more villainous. Um, right now you have Anita, although she seems kind of Really not very master manipulative. manipulative. Um, so besides that, uh, who do you have that are really is the manipulator right now? Um, you know, Alma Bear is gone. I can't remember her name. But other characters have come and, kind of come and gone. Uh, um, Daisy, for example, is gone. She was kind of a manipulator. Um, so my question back to you, who do you think will fill the void right now and become the schemer, the person who tries to pull the wool over the other character's eyes. Um, as always, you're doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. 
Oh my gosh. See, okay, first of all, I have to say that this just goes to prove that YNR viewers are clearly a step above like regular soap opera viewers in, in the intelligence level because you are so eloquent. <laughs> You're very well spoken. I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed with the voicemails I've been getting. And that was a really good question. And I think that it's it's timely too because the other thing I've been thinking about as far as villain villains is, you know, I, I miss Adam. Obviously, I miss Adam being the main villain. And there's a part of me that wonders if Chelsea is going to end up getting pregnant. They're going to try to get pregnant. Smoopy, smoopy, smoop, smoop, blue. And then maybe something is going to happen where Chelsea loses the baby. Maybe Sharon is going to cause Chelsea to lose the baby, make her upset, or who knows, push her down, who knows. And I wonder if that, him having, having, you know, Adam having been the one to make Sharon part with her child, and Adam being the one to have made Ashley lose her baby, I wonder if that's going to be some grand karma, him losing his baby, and maybe sending him back to the dark side. That's kind of what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. I want hi- I want Adam to be the new villain. I want I want the new villains to be the old villains. I want to get back to where we were. And it makes me afraid though that there aren't really like you know there really aren't any good villains right now. It, there's um it, it almost seems like the main villain that comes to my mind right now is Victor, and that's not how I want to see Victor. I want Victor to be the example. I want him to be the hero. He's the hero. He shouldn't be the villain. And and some of the other villains, with the exception of Ricky, who I think was an exceptional vil- villain, and I, gosh, I really miss him. Um, I, you know, it seems like you know the other villains like Anita or um you know, Jeff or whatever, it's one dimensional. It's, it's the equivalent of the, someone just coming up out of the shadows and, you know, it's not even that. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's like, it's like a silent film villain in a way. They're not real. It doesn't feel like real threats. It just feels like kind of a joke storyline. I I guess that's why I liked Ricky so much was just that he was a real well-rounded villain because I think what makes a really good villain is someone who has that dark side, but you know that there's more to it. You got to understand the motivation behind why they're dark and you got to understand where they came from. And, and, and I think another good element which we had with Adam which is what made him so compelling is that softness somewhere inside that there is a redeeming a redeeming quality that there's something about them that you know maybe used to be good or could be good there's a hope there so it feels like there's not even any good villains on the show right now and I like a good villain so you bring up a really good point I really like it and I'm really curious to see if anybody else has any good answers to that or to anything else that's uh, happening this week it's 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 definitely been a need-to-talk-about week. There's been uh, just good or bad, and mostly bad, in my opinion. <laughs> there, there's definitely a lot going on. I'm loving getting the voicemails. I'm loving getting your comments. That means so much to me. You really can't even um, understand. Thank you so much for calling in. 
it really um, makes a difference kind of in how, even my attitude toward the show, that pumps me up. Hearing your voices pumps me up and uh, makes me want to keep doing this, even though I want to keep doing it anyway. <laughs> so if you want to give me a call, the uh, telephone number is area code 309-588-4569. You can leave me a voicemail. I think it's like three minutes that you get before the beep. So if you need to break it up into two voicemails, that's totally cool. But go ahead and do that. That's, it's like I said, just so nice to hear your voices. Again, it's country code 1, uh, area code 309 5884569 or you can go to my blog and leave a comment on the post for this week it's yrchatblog.blogspot.com or let's see you can always just shoot me a good old email to yrchat at live.com either way if you would like to contact me just pick one And I will be reading and responding and loving and looking forward to next week's show, hoping there's some more positive developments on the horizon. We will see. All right. That that does it for me. I hope you guys have an awesome week. I'm going to be watching right along with you the whole time and thinking of you and looking forward to chatting next time. Okay, everybody. I'll talk to you then. Bye.